Hello and welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain, a podcast dedicated to the mission of walking people towards healing and health. In each new episode, we will discuss how to show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Here is your host, Stephanie West, a licensed practicing counselor in the state of Michigan, a teacher, and a professor who lives her life at the intersection of mental health and education. Thanks so much for following along. I want to start today's episode by sharing probably what I consider to be the most valuable life lesson I've ever learned. I've learned a lot of life lessons, and I learned most of them the hard way. That's the reality of being staff, and, you know, frankly, I'm okay with that. But the most powerful lesson that comes to mind when I think of formative interactions happened back in 2016. So when I was in grad school, there was a policy that said if you miss two classes, you're fine. If you miss a third class, you automatically fail the term. And it wasn't a policy by the instructor. It was just a university expectation. And so when I had skipped two classes, it wasn't such a big deal. So we get to March, late March. So we have only about six or seven weeks, about six weeks left to go in the term. And I get a call when I'm sitting with my supervisor and we find out that my mother-in-law has lung cancer and it is a terminal diagnosis and they've given us a timeline. And I'm just sitting with him stunned. And I said to him, I said, Dr. Lehman, I've I've got to go home. I uh, this this is life altering. My my world just fell out from under me. And he said, I understand that. That sounds like a really hard situation. But I do need to let you know if you leave here, you're going to end up failing this class because you've already used your two absences. And I looked at him like he was so unreasonable. And I thought this guy does not know what is going on in my head and in my heart right now. My my whole world is falling apart. And he's telling me I have to attend this ridiculous lecture because some how this lecture is going to add value to my life. This this one three-hour segment is more important than these life or death things going on in my own home. And I felt he was so unreasonable, except he wasn't wrong. And it was my choice to miss the previous two classes. The previous two classes at some point had seemed really, really valid for skipping. And I didn't consider what would happen if something big actually came up where I might not be able to make it to class. And so there was this consequence that was at play where I had to sit through through three hours of lecture while I felt like my my household was burning down, basically. But the choice was to stay and suffer through those three hours or to leave and fail the class. But it was not the professor who was being inappropriate there. It was the fact that I had made decisions that led up to that particular ultimatum. And for me, that was one of the most powerful life lessons to say, our choices count. Our choices matter so much. And natural consequences are one of the biggest growth prompters that we can intersect with and that we can experience. And that's what today's episode is about. One of the biggest impedances to health that I see is others protecting us from the laws of natural consequences, or we protect others from the laws of natural consequences, or we expect others to protect us from the laws of natural consequences. In each situation that where these things unfold, people lose. And what we lose is the potential to be held accountable, the potential to have to grow up, man up, take care of our business in age-appropriate ways. When other people people rescue us or when we try to rescue other people, we are disallowing growth to happen. So actual stunting is going to happen. When my professor held me accountable there, yes, it was excruciating. But six years later, 
later, I can still use that as a reference point to say that man loved me enough to warn me that the next decision I made would have a ripple effect and he wasn't going to make a pass just because there was some sort of emergency going on in my life. That is a very loving gesture and that's the type of love that I feel is missing from a lot of the relationships in which we engage. One place I see this is codependence and parenting where mom or dad is engaging in poor behavior and the other parent excuses it to the kids. So dad has addiction issues and mom makes excuses for it. Or mom's having huge vacillations and mood swings and dad kind of tacitly endorses it or normalizes it instead of saying this is not okay and we need to seek help. You need to do better and be better. Kids are wise. They see when bad behavior is excused. And unfortunately, when bad behavior is excused and then normalized for them, a lot of them repeat the cycle in the next generation. It's a cue to kids that it's okay to be not okay and other people will make excuses for you. It's a terrible message to spread. Holding your spouse accountable for damaging behaviors is imperative because otherwise the kids can be collateral damage in that. So I have a teen who is starting, not with me, but with a fellow clinician, and I see mom. And I said to mom, I said, you know how confidentiality works and you understand that your child is going to be in an intimate setting with someone telling what goes on in the household. And you understand that some of the things going on in your household might in fact lead to issues for dad. And she said, that's okay. He's going to have to be held accountable for what he does. My child needs the help. I was elated with her clarity of vision that her loyalty is to her child, not to a parent who is engaging in destructive behaviors. Guys, it is a hard, hard call to make, but you cannot protect people from natural consequences and expect that they're going to get better. It just doesn't work that way. Another place this shows up is with kids, where parents protect their kids, where parents make excuses for their kids' behaviors, where parents don't hold their kids accountable or where parents aren't following through with expectations. It's actually one of the reasons I feel, clinically speaking, we have such high rates of anxiety and depression in our teens and young adults right now because they have not been asked or told or shown how to stretch themselves in stressful circumstances or how to be held accountable for their actions and their choices. We grow when we're introduced to measured amounts of stress. When we're asked to problem solve, we realize our capabilities, we grow in self-efficacy. If we don't ask kids to do that, they're not going to know how to do that. When you protect kids from stress, you're protecting kids from growth opportunities. When someone else steps in and rescues us, we stunt the growth process. And that's especially true when kids are not asked to stretch and to grow. Kids will stay forever kids in spite of their chronological age if they are protected from natural consequences. If your kids screw up, they need to be held accountable. If your kid's out there wreaking havoc in other people's lives, it needs to be told, it needs to be called out, it needs to be punished, it needs to be followed through on. Whatever that looks like, we have to teach our kids to own their stuff and we have to own it too in our own lives if and when we mess up. That's how we model it for kids. But kids are not going to know what it looks like to navigate hard stuff if we protect them from it. One of the places we also see this show up is in organizations organizations, especially in places like sports, right? So if there's a player that we really want to play, but there's some sort of minimum grade expectation, and just because they're this particular sports player, they can kind of get the system tweaked for them. They don't have to put in the work. Teachers will adjust the grades or will look the other way. It's absolute bull. How is that person going to grow if we make caveats and if we make pivots because there's some sort of exception to the rule? It compromises organizational integrity when we make those choices. There is a consequence 
sequence to holding the line for most people and not for a select few. Schools that capitulate to the loudest voices of dissent? I'm sorry, but you lack institutional integrity. You lack educational integrity if someone can come in and bully their way into change curriculum or bully their way into a teacher having to change their methods and practices just because you're the loudest voice. Now, I'm all about accountability. If teachers are screwing up, absolutely you hold them accountable. If the curriculum is weak, absolutely you hold them accountable. But schools that pivot and bob and weave just because there's a loud voice in distress, you're doing it wrong and that is not a way to show integrity within your institution. Workplaces that protect weak employees, it's a problem. About, it was around 2008 and I was working third shift in assisted living and I had been there about three years at that point. I was just about to graduate college and I had, uh, the third shift manager was an absolute tyrant. She was unkind. She was very bullying with some of her antics. Most people walked on eggshells around her when it was her turn to lead the shifts. When she wasn't there and I was shift lead, things went significantly different. And I get it. I might have my own biases that my ways are better. I think we all carry those biases. But it wasn't just myself who was uncomfortable with kind of the level of treachery that she would bring to each shift. And so I went to her about it the way I was supposed to and nothing changed. So I went to management about it. And he said to me, he said, Steph, here's the thing. You're going to be leaving here over the next six months and going into your career. We need her to still be here. And while that's true, and while they wanted to have someone cover their shifts, what they literally said in those moments that is that our integrity doesn't actually matter. If she's a tyrant and a bully, it's actually okay because we need a warm body to fill that role. So then I can't trust you in management. I can't call you an institution with integrity if bullying behavior is not only normalized but approved of. One of the other places where I want to take this, and this is especially to some of us who probably have a lot of emotional stunting or emotional wounding that's gone on, one of the things that often happens is we tend to protect people from the observation that they're inflicting hurt in our story. One of the most misused comments out there is, I'm fine, right? And I wonder if ever there was a time in the history of someone saying, I'm fine, if they actually were. Because we don't usually feel the need to say that if things are going okay, right? And so when someone says to you, hey, is something wrong and you say, I'm fine because you don't want to engage in conflict. What you're saying is, I don't want you to see my hurt. I don't want you to see what's going on here. And what you're doing is protecting someone from the laws of natural consequences. If someone is contributing pain or hurt in our story, acknowledging it and holding them responsible is one of the only growth opportunities that they might get. And what it's going to do every time we say, I'm fine, it takes away relational opportunity. It takes away the opportunity for us to grow in skill building, to be in conflict, conflict together to navigate the discomfort and tolerate the distress of holding someone accountable. But it is a gesture of love to ask people to grow. It is a gesture of love to hold people accountable. It is a gesture of love to call people out on their inappropriateness if it is in fact inappropriate. And so I look back at 2016 and I thank my professor for his witness to me that being integrity means holding the line even if it causes someone else discomfort. It's doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And sometimes Sometimes it'll make us unpopular. And that has to be okay too, because doing the right thing is significantly more important than being liked. And if we prioritize being liked, there's no way that we're prioritizing other people's growth. And that is not a loving gesture, my friends. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Please share this content with friends and family. Feel free to connect with Stephanie at healingthroughpain21 at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.